This is Eastman's Elevated Podcast. I have on great guests that are really knowledgeable, consistently successful. We're able to dive deep down the rabbit holes of these different subject matters of shooting, of physical fitness, of mental toughness and drive. All the different skills that make up a complete hunter that you can become. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So on today's podcast, I have on Zach DeWitt. So Zach is a new guest to Eastman's Elevated, uh, but he's one of those guys that is consistently successful. So he's a Wyoming resident, hunts uh, all the different western species, including mule deer, elk, antelope, and then some special species as well, uh, like had a moose tag uh, like a couple of years back. And so we visit about that and the special species and, and draw on those tags. But really, we just get into the heart of hunting the West, elk and mule deer and kind of our tactics around that. So it just made for a great episode. Really glad I got to meet him, have him on the podcast and share this conversation with you guys. So we'll get right into it. Just want to thank a couple sponsors. I want to thank Eberly Stock Packs. So Everly Stock Packs are built durable, pack the weight right, and uh, they have a different pack for every different need in the mountains. So uh, they have their kite pack, which is a great day pack, uh, and these are the packs that I prefer. They have other models as well that you might like in there, but that kite pack is a day pack, uh, like the destroyer for like expedition trips, and I actually just tried out, I think it's their kite 4800 for... Uh, this big goat trip up in BC for that expedition trip, and that worked really well. Uh, also use um, their their little big top. I'll use that for smaller expeditions, like three to five days. Uh, so yeah, just a bunch of different packs in there. Uh, they have a, a reasonable price for them, and they hold up to all the abuse they throw at them. So make sure to check them out over at Everly Stock. I also want to thank Juniper Mountain Coffee. Uh, I am loving Juniper Mountain Coffee. I just got a big shipment of it, uh, so I'm actually drinking it right now. Uh, it's just real high-quality roasts that they source themselves uh, from down in pa Panama. So Panama, I believe. Uh, but they don't have a coffee broker and in-between guys, so they're able to go down, have direct relationships with the farmers, get the absolute best roasts, and then, you know, these guys... Uh, they, they really support hunting. So they support me here on the podcast and um, other ventures over there at Eastman's. But I just love these companies that put their dollars where uh, they want to support. And so I uh, couldn't be happier to uh, be partnered with Juniper Mountain Coffee. And I just absolutely love their coffee. So uh, you can check them out. They've um, got a website and uh, they've got a couple different roasts. The, the Camp Boss or the, the Camp cook and the trail boss uh, both really good roasts, so you can check those things out and uh, new products to come so yeah can't wait to see what these guys come up with go check them out juniper mountain coffee thanks again to those guys support i also want to thank outdoor edge knives uh, replaceable blade knives that the blades are just a little bit burlier really stick on the handle so they don't pop off and then if anything ever gets dull I can just change out the blades and I'm I've got a fresh one for like an elk that takes multiple blades so I don't need to bring multiple knives I don't need to bring sharpening stones one knife can absolutely do it all uh, so thanks to those guys for their support over outdoor edge knives I also want to thank black Ovis. Uh, Black Ovis is the internet retail shop, absolutely everything you need for your next hunt. They carry all the top name brands as well as their own name brand that has really high quality stuff. So I have a couple buddies uh, that I've been able to check out some of their Black Ovis gear and I'm really impressed by it. So uh, if you've got a hunt coming up and you need something for it, make sure to go check them out over at Black Ovis. And I also want to thank Camo Fire. Uh, so Camo Fire is an app where they have new hunting deals that come up. I think it's like 80 new hunting deals every 24 hours. Uh, I was just up with my buddy Adam up in BC, and um, he had a few items that he pulled out of his pack that he was able to find on Camo Fire and get huge discounts. So um, make sure to check those guys out at Camo Fire. Then over at Eastman's, we're just cruising along. Uh, we have the magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. Uh, just finished up an article yesterday for Eastman's Hunting Journal, uh, Hunting with the Pressure, that I'm really proud of. 
and um, yeah, a bunch of new projects coming up. And so uh, it's just a great magazine where you can read other subscribers' success stories. Uh, you can read uh, articles from our pro staff that are pertinent to the time of year. And uh, we really pour our heart and soul into these articles to make them as good as we can. So you can check out the magazines. Of course, uh, Dan and I have that Mule Deer course I've been telling you about. you got the promo code BRIANMDC. Saves you 10%. Gets you a, a kill kit, which is black ovis bags and an outdoor edge knife. And um, we'll also save you 10%. It's like 90 bucks or something. It's such a great value to uh, obtain all this knowledge about hunting mule deer out west. And, um, yeah, make sure to check out Dan and I's other podcast, uh, EBJ. Um, you got to search it. It's on a different feed. But EBJ, Life of a Bow Hunter. Uh, yeah, we got some really good episodes on there. I think we're 12 episodes deep after I release um, tomorrow's. So, yeah, there's a, a bunch of episodes to listen to, just great content on there and great chemistry between me and Dan, so check that out. And with that, let's get into this podcast. So, um, Zach DeWitt, uh, Wyoming resident, absolute killer with his bow in his hands. I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Roll. All right. Good morning, Zach. Thanks good a bunch morning. for joining me. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Man, it feels so good to um, connect with you. We've been following each other through social media, and then, um, yeah, we have a friend in common, Sam Davis, and then um, you actually gave a couple of my buddies, like, a big help out one year in, like, one of our hunting spots, so it's good to finally connect with you. Yeah, yeah, I for, I, I almost forgot about that. Um, that was, uh, yeah, just a random chance that we, that we ran, I ran into those two guys, so... Yeah. Oh man, you saved their bacon. So like, uh, had a couple buddies hunting a spot and they ran into you and, uh, yeah, you were just so nice and kind and like, um, so my buddy had arrowed a buck and that buck got onto private and then, um, you were able to pass on like the warden's number so he could call the warden and then he was able to retrieve his buck. But man, you just saved those guys because there's not much out there. It's pretty remote country. It's very remote and they were a I was a long ways from home and they were a lot further than I was. So it was, um, you know, could have been a, you know, could have lost a deer because of, you know, time and, um, the deer was dead, you know, so they just, they had to get to it and yeah, it worked out great and got to sit and visit with them for quite a while. And, um, you know, they knew you and we ended up having a bunch of, uh, you know, through fishing, uh, Dylan, you know, likes likes his fishing, so we got to chat about fishing and stuff a lot that day. So it was it was it was cool. Oh wow! Um, so Zach, you like to fly fish as well, huh? Yeah, I, I don't do it as much as I used to, but yeah, I, I enjoy. Um, I'm kind of a streamer guy, but uh, yeah, I, I like that. I like fly fishing. Oh, you're speaking my language, man. Yeah, I love throwing big streamers. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, I didn't know that about you. Sam, um, I don't think that guy touches a fishing pole much. Uh, not anymore. He might um, bait his daughter's worm, but that's about all he does for fishing anymore. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, uh, yeah, you teamed up with Sam, which, um, Sam, man, I think so highly of that guy. He's such a great guy. Uh, but you guys teamed up, and now you're working construction together, and um, you've kind of taught him the ropes. You've been doing construction your whole life. I mean, um, the similarities between me and you, uh, it's almost like I'm talking to my twin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, you know, we both um, have construction companies and have done it forever, and, and, and bow hunting is our 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 other thing that we do and i guess fishing too but yeah uh he he's been working with me for a little over a year now but we've worked together on and off for uh quite a long time actually um different avenues um we've worked on a ranch together and i did the construction and he would help me a lot then so when he came um when he and I partnered up, the transition was pretty seamless. Um, we've done so many things together that it just, you know, it flowed really well. And yeah, we, uh, now we're on our own, just building houses here in Sheridan, Wyoming and, um, things are going great. Yeah. Good for you guys. Like both super hard workers. And then, um, man, it's like, I'm so pumped to get you on the podcast. Um, man, you're, um, 
like a, a such a good bow hunter. You've been doing it for so many years, but so consistently successful, man. You just killed some great bulls and bucks every year. And I always say there's like a, a like a guy in your hometown or a guy that you know about that's an absolute killer. And and there's one in a like a few towns over that you haven't met. And you're like definitely that guy that I haven't connected with, but um, just kill so many great animals, man. And you just have such a love for for bow hunting and um for the wild country so it's like one of the reasons i'm so pumped to get you on here and have a discussion yeah thank you um i don't know about yeah i i bow hunting is is absolutely it's it's everything um i think probably the last year that i rifle hunted was 2006 or seven i can't remember um, I killed a deer in Montana Thanksgiving weekend. Um, and that would have been the last 2007. That was the last year that I, um, shot anything with a, with a rifle. So, and it just kind of turned the corner and just didn't want to, no, nah, didn't not, not want to do it anymore. But, uh, you know, bow hunting is just, it's, it's a different game to me and, um, love to do it. And, that's it. Deer and elk every year. Go chase them wherever I can. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Um, yeah, twins again. That's about when I started uh, like uh, committing to to bow only. So um, yeah, and and also like uh, it's funny like. Uh, uh, humble guys or guys that work hard and have consistent success it's tough to take in those compliments as well so uh like similar in that aspect too but um <laughs> yeah man it's like when you commit to bow hunting you get so much better at it too and it's not that we didn't enjoy rifle hunting like i learned some of my best hunting lessons hunting with the rifle and cutting my teeth and uh, like you, you get a more chance to be in the field and you're hunting, trying to find animals in tough seasons. And then, you know, you're trying to execute good shots. So it's like definitely similar, but it's almost like you graduate from it. It's almost, and not that it's too easy or anything like that. It's like you stated it pretty well. It's, it's just that, that the, the bow hunting trophies like mean so much more to us. And it's like such a higher level of understanding of the mountains and the prairies and the places you hunt, the species you hunt. And then you just keep in this bow hunter's mindset. So you don't get in that hurry up rifle hunter, like lay down and shoot him right there. It's like 200 yards. The game is just beginning, you know? And so you're thinking about the wind and you're thinking about the pr approach and the ungulation and the, and, and you just, stay in that mindset all the time and so it like really sharpens those skills like exponentially and you get way better way quicker don't you yes yeah yeah that's you you said it perfectly the yeah 200 yards that's when the game starts anybody can you know get 200 yards from something that's it's tricky from there on in and um you know, the more time you spend the learning the animals behavior and, and how to, to let them. And I'm a, uh, you know, I don't call, I let, you know, I, I, I don't even carry a call with me typically. Um, you know, you let the animals do their thing and, and try to get them to, to help you out on the hunt. You, you know, once you get in with that 200 yard range and yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I think you stated it perfectly about how how to do that. Yeah, well, and um, it seems like us uh, muley guys, uh, we don't call the elk too much. Although Sam did tell me a story when he called a great big bull in for you that you arrowed. So, like, you have shot one behind calls before. Yeah, I've, I have. I've shot a I, I, I've shot a couple behind calls. I've never done the calling, but yeah, I've I've definitely um, you know I've shot I've shot a handful of them that uh, he's called in for me. So. Yeah, that keeping oh. quiet, that element of surprise, man, it's such an effective way to hunt elk, especially like once you perfect those skills or you get pretty sneaky at, at stalking in, man, it's so effective for those herd bulls, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the element of surprise, um, them not even knowing that you're in the same county as them and working your way. And it might take a while and, you know, and. I don't know. I always have the or Sam and I talk about it a lot is, you know, as different instances we've had. And it's like, man, 
you know, what if you had called in that situation and um, rather than on on an animal that I, I blew out, you know, and didn't harvest and and it's uh, I don't know, it's one of those one of those things that, you know, you discuss and and I still I, I, I like my chances at sneaking and 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 I think, well, what if what if he didn't come into a call and I never got the chance at him anyway? And, it, you know, it's just, you, you never really know. And, um, I don't think there's a right answer. You take what you were the best at and, and use it to your ability and, um, you know, kind of let the chips fall where they may. hundred percent. Um, yeah. Hindsight, you always look like a hero. It's always like, Oh, if I would have done this, I would have killed him. It's like, yeah, right. I probably would have blown him out of the country and not even got close is what would have happened, you know? But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so funny how hindsight you can say, Oh, I should have done this or I would have done that. And I think it's like a great learning tool. Uh, you just don't want to get too caught up in the what ifs or, you know, but, um, uh, yeah, that's right, man. It's like, um, you kind of, you stated it's it's slow and it is like man you you have to be so patient it's not like you just see a bull and you creep into bow range and shoot him like usually it's like this long drawn out stock and may even go over may even go through a couple hunts like i love it when i can not spook a bull when i can chase him and maybe i don't get close and shoot him and i just kind of shadow the herd but then i know where he's at for the evening and i can hunt him multiple hunts and so like you said it that element of surprise like elk are just being elk they're just feeding and they're just rutting and they're uh, they don't know you're there. It's such a different experience in that calling experience. And the calling experience is super thrilling. And it, it might be, you know, the most effective way for elk. But, like, the places we hunt, man, they're so high pressure that these older age class bulls, it's like they only might be in the right uh, the right mood to come into a call once or twice a year. But if you're a spot and stock guy, then you, like, always have a play. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, there's been plenty of times, you know, you try calling and um, they might bugle at you, um, but yeah, they they they're set. They don't want they don't want anything to do. They don't want to get in that fight or um, even even get up. You know, they might be laying somewhere or they're heading one way, and you you know you can't outwalk an elk, and um, he's not going to turn around. He's heading for the bedding area, and it you know. A few times when it works, it's it's amazing. You know, it, I've you know killed some bulls that that came in literally looked like they were you're pulling them on a string. You know, um, and and it's awesome when it happens, but um, that's just that's not my game. And and I might you know someday maybe when I get a little older I'll I'll start working at it or something. But right now I like to just be a little ninja and sneak around in the woods. So. Yeah, I doubt it. We kind of get stuck in our ways. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's a good technique when used at the right time. And I do, like I keep my top three bowls in the house, like up above, hanging on my gable wall. And it's like my top three bowls that I've arrowed. And um, one of those bowls came into a cow call. So like I can't, I can't say that I'm all spot and stock as well. But we're, what really changed my mind is I was hunting like deep in the wilderness and I had backpack into the spot and this wasn't the first spot I had been like I had been hunting elk for five six days and I hadn't got a chance at one of those big mature bulls I was after but I come into this drainage and I've got to like come across this top of this 10,000 foot peak and I come into this drainage and there's a bull down in there bugling and I get my eyes on him and dude he's just like this gorgeous seven by seven dream bull you know I you know I, I don't know score but like 350 plus for sure like all day like he was just a giant you know and he's got some cows and so like I formulate a game plan when I was calling like a lot of it wasn't the sounds I was making it was the places I was making the sound and so like as they worked into the timber and into their bedding feature, I had like uphill thermals. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to get in his bedroom, going to get really close to him, and I'll give him a couple cow calls. And, man, he'll come check me out. And I had done some spot and stalking at that point, but I wasn't committed to it 100%. And it's almost like if you 
if you call or if you have that option, then you almost always like, oh, well, I'll just see what he does or I'll see how he reacts to it, you know? And so you always kind of revert back to calling. And so I got in there in his bedding timber and gave him a couple soft cow calls. And just like you said, he was, he answered me, you know, and I get this interaction with the bull that's really exciting. And he's calling and I'm like, man, is he going away from me? And all of a sudden I look up and he is taking all of his cows out of this secluded drainage with nobody around and he's clearing zip codes moving out of there just from my cow calls. And it's like, man, never again. I had searched and done so many miles and so much effort to find this dream bull and then I blew it up within 30 minutes of finding him blowing on this stupid cow call. I was like, never again. I'm leaving these things in the truck. You know, it's like, and I had success calling, but it's also tough by yourself. It was like a lot of times when you're a good caller you end up calling for everybody else and so you know i'd call a lot of bulls in for buddies and for my dad but i wasn't getting many plays myself you know and so like finally that was like the straw that broke the camel's back where it's like no more man those calls are staying in the truck i'm just gonna sneak up on them like a mule deer and then you know i've had great success doing it but it it is like um it, it's a technique or it's like a skill like anything that it takes a while to hone in. Like you screw up a lot of encounters with great bulls because you push too hard or because you don't read the wind right or it's not the right scenario to close in on them. And so you almost like get better at it over time. Have you found that too? Like the longer that you've done it, the better you get at it. And all of a sudden those gray areas of not knowing you know, what decision to make or which way to go, those kind of start to clear up and you kind of trust your gut and your instincts and seem to get in closer to those bulls. Do you find that as well, Zach? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, you know, just the reps that you, you get to do, um, you learn so much every time. And there's, you know, I, I think back to all the years of, of hunting and, and chances I had that I just, um yeah rushed uh didn't pay attention to the wind good enough um and you just you just make mistakes but as long as you remember those and learn from them and it does it gets to where you know it's it's still never you know easy but you you subconsciously just make the right start making the right choices because you're you're always constantly like well this happened this happened time and time again and and you you eventually just get to where you know you start making the right choices a lot and you know then it you you still mess up on things but you you get down to um you know the close encounters happen a lot more often and and you know i can think of years um messing messing bulls up at before i even got to 150 yards because i didn't pay attention to the wind uh well enough and and they just you know, you, you got, you know, thought, well, it's not going to matter. It, they won't catch it this time. And, uh, you know, they do. And, <laughs> uh, they, you can't out, um, that's one thing about elk, especially their nose. You, you can't beat it. It's impossible to beat. You don't even, don't even pretend to try. And, um, yeah, just, just the learning and, and all those reps and all those years of, of blown out elk and, and deer as well, you know, um, you, you get better at it. That's, that's what I always tell everybody or, you know, new people that, that are getting into it, just go hunt them and don't worry about what it, just try to kill one. That's, you know, don't worry about the size or anything. Like I've got a bazillion raghorns on my wall, you know, from, cause I just like to, I like to kill elk. That's my deal. Well, the the funnest part is like getting into him, being able to play the game, like uh, getting into that chess match with him, that thinking man's game. And man, it's just like the best advice you could give to a young hunter is like you 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 pick up things from other hunters. You can you can pick up knowledge from from podcasts or from reading, and and we all do. That's like part of it is you learn from somebody else's experience. But really. The, the the real learning happens like getting out in the field and getting that experience. Experience is the best teacher. And um, 
yeah, it's like it's never going to be perfect. You you could sit on a bull for multiple days thinking you're going to catch him in a bad spot, but ultimately you just have to go in and try to make it happen. And and failure is like uh, the building blocks to success. And I don't know a good bow hunter out there that hasn't failed a million different ways from Sunday, me included. And and I think like you're the same way. Like you just have to get out there and you have to mess up and spook bulls and it doesn't always work out and and their instincts are really keen like even being like uh building our skills as successful bow hunters we still mess up we still don't kill every bull we find it's just the way it is but you you start making the right moves harvesting a couple of those bulls or bucks and you kind of build your confidence but ultimately you just have to send it and go get into them and i have made some horrible idiotic mistakes and i i've made every mistake out there but eventually you just start to learn from it that experience starts to hone your skills you start to get better and and then eventually you know stuff starts to die from your arrow and then you can build upon that but I really think that's the key to getting good at bow hunting is just like getting out there as much as possible. And, and when you're getting out there and getting that experience, like you don't have to have multiple weeks off work. Like me and you are both construction guys. And so there's been a lot of our hunting seasons where we can only hunt weekends. But I think the key is, is to, to try to get as many days in the field as you can with your job and with your family and, and then really take this knowledge that you're gaining off podcasts or uh, writings or, you know, from buddies or wherever you get it. And then trying to apply that knowledge into your own hunting. But, man, I think that's the key to improvement. Yeah, that's exactly right. I like what you said about just getting in there and getting after it because uh, I, I like the – if if I can find them, I'm going to try it. And I know that it's – it doesn't help me out any, but I will always try it. And you know that you can't get them if you, you know, I guess for instances, you know, if you're back there for a few days and you've got a, a bull that you're after or not necessarily a target bull, but there's a bull that you decided you want to hunt. And, you know, if you're in a secluded area and yeah, maybe that's, a, that's a chance that you can then, back off and and wait for the right time but man a lot of the times i have a day or two and i'm hunting where there's other people and and i go for it and if it's it's he's either going to be mine or or i'm gonna i'm probably not going to get another shot because i'm going for it that day and um but that's that's it that's that's a rep though you learn from that every time and deer the same way um you you have to you have to get in there. You can't just watch them. I hunt a lot of places that, you know, especially my deer that there's, there, it's not, there's not a lot of country that you can hunt. Um, that it's big country, but you know, private land mixed in there. And, um, he might be, you know, he goes down to the, the ag field or something and he might not come back the next day. You might not get a chance at him. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. Um, I like hearing that, Zach. It's like uh, you you got to give yourself a chance at success. And um, so, yeah, you, when you when you find a bull, especially like elk are traveling so much country that they're usually not in the same spot the next day. You know, they can just disappear. I've had great bulls. It's like, oh, I'll make a play on him in the morning and then morning comes and he's gone, you know, and same thing with deer like you're stating. They can just disappear, especially during the rut or pre-rut you know those things are just gone you know they're there one day gone the next and i've seen them miles away down a different drainage the next day so yeah you almost have to take those opportunities and go but i think um I think you learn over time, like that aggressiveness and that send it attitude and always go for it, no matter how far a buck is, no matter how far a bull is, no matter how tough it is, it's like just getting over there because a lot of times too, it's tough to read the terrain from a distance and like you don't know what you're working with until you actually get over there. You know, the winds can be different. The undulation can be different. It just looks different. And so I'm the same, man. I just send it and give myself a chance. But I think what I've got better at over the years is not pushing to failure or like taking what the animals will give me. So if I'm hunting a herd of elk, 
Like, I'm not going to keep pushing in until I blow the whole herd. You know, I might, like, hold up at 100 yards because they're not in a good spot yet, and I'm just going to continue my stock throughout that morning till they get to a better spot. So I think that's, like, what I've got better at is, like, trying to mix in the patience with my aggressive always-send-it attitude. Do you find you're the same where you've been able to, like, uh, hone in that skill of knowing when to go all in? Yeah, yeah, that's uh yeah, you you put it perfectly there. Um learning how to to shut it down when you need to um especially the last, you know, I I guess you just get better at it every year, but yeah, I can think of the, you know, some of the recent um deer elk that I've got that that was the case where I pushed it, went for it, but got to the point and there you and you said it perfectly too with the the terrain changes and you get to a spot and you're like oh this is not what i thought it was going to be but it's actually better than i thought it was going to be and it gave me that opportunity um i killed a deer in new mexico a couple years back that i went after and i ended up um getting in on a couple of bucks and the buck that i wanted to shoot and i ended up waiting I thought I was going to have to, um, it was, it's in country that you typically just kind of can go for it. Um, and they, they kind of pulled out of the desert into up onto a, a, a rim rock and, um, but it was, it worked out perfect for me. What they did, which is not, um, in the years I've hunted down, there's not typically how they act. And, um, but I was able to be patient with them, let him do his thing and he worked himself right to me and stuck an arrow in him and um it was he threw me a curveball but i was able to you know just to sit back and you know assess the situation and it worked out great man it's like a sometimes it's the smarter approach and um it's tough like some some country lends itself better to stalking but yeah, you almost get uh, really good at the, the spot and stalking or the creeping in. And, and sometimes it's my downfall that always send it or always go for it, as I always think that I can go get in range of a deer. And sometimes if I just sit back and let them come to me or let them do what they're going to do and learn their behavior, sometimes I think I'd be more successful. Like I, I was just hunting that Hawaii for axis deer, and usually like I'd see like a great buck, and gosh, I'd be out there belly crawling in the stumble trap trying to get close to him and I'd waste hours and then I'd get out there and I'd spook him because he wasn't in a good position or, you know, and this year I kind of figured out where they were coming back to bedding and where they were feeding at. And instead of like going after him in that feeding feature with over a hundred deer, I just kind of sat back in that bedding location and I let him come to me and I shot my biggest buck. Like, and it's not my typical behavior, you know? It's like usually I'm just, I'm out there and I'm belly crawling, trying to drag and get close to a hundred deer, which is just like, you know, I'm almost destined to fail from the start with that many deer out there and they're all moving to bed. And it's like, I just got a little bit smarter in the chess game of just like, no, I think I'll just get in the edge of this bedding country. And they all like walked right into me and had no idea I was there. And I arrowed my best buck. And so, uh, like creative thinking is rewarded in the bow hunting woods, right? It's like, being creative with uh, your approach to these animals and then really reading what they're doing, I think just can pay huge dividends. And it sounds like that's what you did in New Mexico. Instead of like diving off that cliff ban and going and making a play at this feeding buck, like you just kind of set back and let him be a buck and let him do his deal and kept your element a surprise. And then he moved into the perfect position. And so I think we could all use like a little bit more of that in our in our hunting tactics for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and those axis deer, they're crazy switched on, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Yeah, crazy switched on. Like I'd compare them to like our white tails, like trying to trying to still hunt or stalk white tails. So yeah, they are super switched on. Great eyesight. They're really good in their habitat. Yeah, they're fun to hunt, man. Um, yeah, let me know if you ever get a wild hare and want to go out there. I'll set you up out there. But yeah, you would love hunting them and. It's you mentioned it before, like you like to kill elk or, uh, you know, and you've killed a lot of raghorns. You just like to get in and kill a bull. 
like the action sometimes is the most fun, like getting to play the game and access deer, you get a ton of that action and really get to play the game a bunch. It's almost like a, like antelope where you get a bunch of stocks and plays and they're really switched on and tough to kill, but you get enough chances that eventually you make it happen. That sounds awesome. I've heard so much about it. Just haven't, haven't got to Hawaii yet. So someday. Yeah, well, they don't grow axis in Wyoming, so yeah, it's a little tough to sharpen your skills on those things. But yeah, all all your bow hunting skills would definitely translate over there. You you do more of the still hunting too, and you still hunt like thick terrain, which I think you know makes me better at hunting elk and being able to still hunt into elk. But um, man, sometimes it's just painstakingly slow to to have to still hunt through that thick stuff. And it's like the moment you lose focus, you like blow them out or bust them out, you know, and you you still hunt for two hours. You've been moving so slow and so still and you haven't seen a deer and all of a sudden you just start walking and then there you go. You blow them out, you know, and so uh, it'll definitely uh, make a fool out of you, you know, at least a handful of times before you arrow one. But that's part of the fun. Yep. Yeah. So would you say, um, it looks like you, you bow hunt a bunch of different species. Um, what do you think you like more? I mean, I hate to make you choose, but it seems like you're a muley guy, huh? Well, no, I honestly, I, I think I'm an elk guy. Okay. That, yeah. Um, yeah, muleys, they're, mule deer, they're a close second though. I, they're probably my, um, they're kind they're my ah, i don't know they they do something to me i i get i get all sorts of frazzled with deer but i i love to hunt elk that's my that's my favorite is elk hunting but but yeah mule deer are, are so close behind they're i love to hunt them they're a big a big mule deer buck is a it's they're tough yeah they're and i'm an early season guy i mean september's pretty much when I do all my hunting, you know, minus if I go have a Montana tag or I go down South, you know, um, and then it's late, but yeah, in Wyoming, you know, we're, we're all September. We don't have any late season deer. Yeah. Not really. You know, they're tough tags to draw. And no, I, um, they messed me up, but I'm definitely, I'm an elk guy. That's my, that's my jam. Okay. Right on. Yeah. It's like, um, I, I fall in love with all these species I get to bow hunt and, um, it's really tough for me to choose, you know, and I, I don't know, you know, I could choose right now and then I'd change my mind a month from now and, and definitely like during September, there is no place I'd rather be than hunting elk and I could almost like, I almost forget deer or stop looking at them because it is elk season during the rut, and it's some of the most thrilling hunting out there. But then you put me in August in the high country hunting mule deer or, you know, even November during the rut, and then I'll tell you that mule deer is the coolest, and I wouldn't, you know, I could care less about an elk. All I care about is trying to kill a mule deer, and so... Man, I, I love all of these species we hunt, and it's really tough to rate them because I think that rating changes depending on what season it is for me or what I'm bow hunting. But, you know, and even pronghorn for that matter, like I I love hunting antelope and the prairies, and um, I love like the, the stocks you get on antelope make me way better at deer and elk. And so, man, I'd have a tough time giving that one up or, you know, that one's definitely in the, in the top three, but really... I fall in love with all these species I get to bow hunt as they're all a touch different and the skills are transferable. Like, uh, if you're good at, at, at stalking elk, you're going to be good at stalking mule deer and, and vice versa. But I do think like hunting these different species in different habitats improves your skill sets in different ways and makes you a better overall hunter. So just like you, like New Mexico is a long ways from Wyoming, but you going down there and sharpening your skills on mule deer down there makes you a better overall mule deer hunter, you know? And so um, yeah, it's tough to choose when you, when you love to bow hunt. I hate to put you on the spot like that, but yeah, I just had to, had to dial in to see what really drives you. Yeah. The, the different terrains, I, um, especially I, I like that you said that, um, we have so many opportunities. Um, you guys in Montana, us here, um, you know, I've hunted Montana quite a bit over the years. Um, the cool thing about it is, you know, that, yeah, deer or elk, um, I've killed elk at 
2,800 feet elevation. I've killed elk at 10,000 feet elevation. And there's so many different places that they live. And, and I don't have a, uh, I like to hunt them in the mountains, but, um, I'll go where they are. And, and I love that whether it's the cedars and junipers, um, sagebrush or in the Alpine, like there's, there's, they, they're still elk and they, they, each place has its things that work better for it. And yeah, it just, it makes you a better hunter rather than, um, you know, staying in, you know, one area and, and only hunting that, you know, you're only a mountain hunter in a certain area that you, you know, hunt. And, um, my goal is, well, it's not a goal, but I, you know, I've killed a lot of elk in many, many different areas and that's just, I'll, I'll go where they are. That, that's my deal. Yeah. Um, well, you gotta be, um, nomadic or you gotta be mobile with elk and, and you do like hunting a spot, you get better at hunting it. The more you hunt it and you're able to gain knowledge, but you also don't want to get stuck in a rut because hunting always changes and it doesn't seem like it changes for the better in my spots. It always changes for the worse, whether it's more pressure or the elk start acting different, or maybe I've taken a couple good bulls out of there, whatever the case is, you know, but there's always a good spot to go to. There's good hunting out there if you're willing to go for it. And so, yeah, you have to build that skill set of being able to find different hunting grounds. I think that's like a huge component of being consistently successful is like being able to find new new locations, uh, being able to dial in new habitats because a lot of elk hunting is not seeing elk. Like they're so nomadic and move through the country and use such a network of feeding and bedding features that a lot of times you can go into a really good elk spot, but there's just no elk in there. And so like, you've got to be able to cover country. You've got to be able to learn new spots. And I think that's like a muscle that you have to flex to get better at. And so, yeah, I think like your, your, your goal or your strategy on elk to hunt these different places for elk, it just makes you better at finding new spots that, that exploring. And, and you have a good tag this year in Montana. You got to be stoked to get back up there and, and, um, go chase some bulls around Montana as well. So you have a couple elk tags this year. Yeah. 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 So excited to go back to Montana. I, um, it's been, been really good to me i've um i've been very successful in montana and um where we're going is kind of um i don't know a little nostalgic we used to hunt there um back in college um we started we started um hunting montana when we we're in college when everybody was on spring break and going on trips we that was a, a week that you could get 50 hours of work in so we could pay for our our, our Montana elk tags. And back then they were 640 bucks or something like that. And it's, that sure changed, but I'm so excited about Montana. Um, it's, uh, it's been so, so, so fun hunting up there over the years. And yeah, I, I mean, that's all we talk about at work every day is, is we're going over maps and, um, it's, yeah, it's, I think, uh, yeah, I haven't been excited about this excited in a long time about an elk tag, honestly. It's pretty cool. Right on, man. Yeah, I'd love to be a fly on the wall between you and Sam on the job site. Uh, that, yeah, I'm sure there's a, a lot of good hunting talk that goes on. But, yeah, you just um, you carry that work ethic, right? It's like um, you learn to work hard. You're a Wyoming guy, and it's like, uh, dude, you've made your own path through construction. And I know what the grind is like in construction day in, day out, and to be able to get these projects up and done and to, to work in all the different conditions, whether it's the, the heat and intense sun or whether it's the cold and the, uh, you know, trying to wear gloves and get things done in the wintertime with the wind and everything that, that blows around like when you live out west. And so you like build this work ethic, you know, to, to provide for yourself and your family. But really it's like that work ethic that really helps make us successful, uh, in the elk woods or in the mule deer woods. It's like, uh, we don't know anything different other than to just show up and put in work and put in miles and elevation and put in good effort. I think, um, 
you know, along the lines, you know, of everything we've talked about that makes us complete bow hunters, that work ethic is so important. Just being able to grind or get in the right headspace. And, and a lot of it is like mental. It's just like having the right perspective or the right approach to things. But that work ethic is such a huge component to being successful, isn't it? It is, absolutely. Um, and I, I mean, we're construction guys, so I think it's the best profession. But, you know, this last winter was very challenging. Um, we started a, a big house, and we literally started framing on it the week before Christmas and anybody that lives out West knows what kind of winter we had. Um, but exactly right. It was just show up and do your work and it was cold and we shoveled snow every morning. And, you know, the first, you know, this is a 5,000 square foot house, um, with, you know, it's, it's a big place. And, um, you know, it took a while before we had a roof on it and to, and we could, you know, not shovel snow every day. And there was a lot of really cold mornings, but you can sit at home and not get anything done or you can just go to work and wear the right clothes and, and exactly right. The mental aspect that you said of just showing up, doing what needs to be done. You're going to make it through it just like hunting. Yeah, that hill sucks to climb. Do it anyway. You'll be fine. Take your, t- whatever you need to do, but the the not quit part of it is yeah that that's a, a huge key yeah it's uh constantly put forth effort no matter what challenges you're facing you know and so you just keep going and keep pushing forward and eventually stuff happens and man a montana elk you know they aren't easy you know just like a wyoming elk or anything you're hunting but you know, sometimes the Montana general season elk, man, I got to know how to grind. Like uh, a lot of times it doesn't happen in the first three days, the first five days, the first 10 days. Like there's a lot of seasons when I'm trying to, you know, or set my sights on a mature bull elk. Like there's years where I have 20 some days into trying to kill a mature bull elk. And there's there's years where I don't kill one, which um, there's only been a couple of them over the over the the years. But, man, those ones uh, really burn me. But you just got to be willing to grind and continually put forth effort or like that Shirus moose. Like last year, I had like 30 days into hunting those things. And a bunch of those days, I didn't even see a moose. I mean, the the amount of, of gas that I had to put in my truck, like my credit card bill at the end of the month like it's just um you know i'm really tight or uh uh, frugal with my money and i say but when it's time to put gas in my rig to go hunting or go scouting i don't even think about it i just um show up to the pump and run my card and here i go but it's that it's like what you put into it is what you get out of it and um you know, there's always a balance. None of us have unlimited time, but it's it's doing good with the time you do have. But there's a lot of hunting where you are just not seeing elk or not seeing mule deer. It, like, never goes as planned. It's always, like, tougher than we think it's going to be. And, and I would imagine that's it for you, too, is, like, you show up with elk season and have the best plans, but then it's kind of like getting punched in the face and you're on your third or fourth spot, like – you got to be willing to grind and that grind eventually like there's an opportunity that presents itself. Even if I'm a horrible bow hunter, if I grind enough, eventually I'm just going to run into a stupid elk and get a chance at him, you know? And so like, uh, uh, just that, that work ethic and that ability to grind, it's a huge component to our success. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, congrats on the moose last year. That's awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, you have a good Shiris under your belt too, right? Yeah. Yeah. 2018, I had a tag. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Was it the year before Sam had his, or the year before? Yeah. Year before. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I remember him telling me about the hunt. Man, you killed a giant Shiris, man. Yeah, I was fortunate. I got a a really really good bull, and that that moose hunting's pretty fun. Oh man, guy could get hooked on that, huh? Yeah. Good. I um, I always. I wish I wish I knew more people that could draw a tag because I'd like to go on some more of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, you talked about um, yeah the different spots and general season hunting and um, I think 
I think last year I was probably on the, I think the third spot that I'd kind of really tried to, to hunt before I finally, you know, it was the 23rd of September when I killed my bull last year and I maybe hunted every close to every day. Um, you know, whether it be, you know, I, um, now it wasn't every day, I guess, but you know, we, we bounced around, I bounced around, tried different spots and exactly. I, I think I did run into a dumb one finally that just got, <laughs> but yeah, just out there and putting 1500 miles on your pickup over the course of September, 2000, who knows how many miles sometimes, but yeah, just, just going and going and going and sometimes it works out. You can, you might get one opening day and sometimes you have to wait till the end. It's just, just, just keep going. The nice thing about the general seasons too, is the places you can go. Yeah. Yeah. That's so it. Like there's a, there's options there, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, and you don't run out of country to explore either. It's like, there's always a new spot to go check out or a new spot to go, and yeah, you just got to be willing to continually put forth that effort. And not every spot you choose is going to hold elk. Like a lot of times you get in there and there's no elk there. And it's like, well, back to the drawing board. Go fill up my truck and go head to a different spot or uh, go load up my backpack and, and go head to a different spot. So yeah, man, that's um, that's a lot of it. Um, yeah, with that 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 moose too like man we should um really figure out uh an alaska trip for those alaskan yukon those great big ones you know it's like i i've done um one float form which was just an epic float where i learned a ton but you know i kind of feel like they're gonna make them guide only before too many years well that's that's right sam's going this year are you going with sam this year on the moose hunt yeah no, I don't think Oh, so. no, I'm sorry. I, I confused him with Travis Nowatney is the one going on the moose hunt. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Yeah. I I had uh, my brain's a little scrambled. But, uh, yeah, we should really plan like an Alaska uh, for, hunt for those Alaskan Yukon before they make them guide only because, man, those are giant bull moose. Like it, it'd be so fun to put it together with the right crew of guys and go up there and um, really give them hell. Have you been to Alaska? I have, but it, not hunting. Um, I, I actually went up one time just kind of a, for a vacation. And, um, so I, I've not got to explore Alaska very much and I, oh, that would be, yeah, Alaskan moose would be absolutely amazing. Um, they are, they're so big and, um, that would be, yeah, that's a bucket list trip. No doubt. Yeah. Oh man. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been, um, Talking with Lampers, Lampers has just got hooked on these moose, you know. He's like, you know, Lampers, he's he's like us where he likes to hunt all different species. And he doesn't have to go bow only. Like, he uses a bow and a rifle, which sometimes I think is pretty smart. Like, you just get a chance at big critters, like, and you get to take part in different seasons. Us bow hunters, sometimes we have a tough time hunting areas that are low populations because we need chances, you know. And so uh, it, it definitely, like, um, when you're bow only, it it does handicap you a bit on like the, the units in the country you can hunt. So sometimes I like envy these guys that are multi weapon season, but I'm like you where the bow hunting just is like a different feel and a different sense of accomplishment. And that's what fires me up. And uh, you're not going to get me to change my mind. But my point is, is that talking with Lampers, um, He's been such a, a mule deer and then such an elk guy come September, but he went on a big moose trip last year, and he is hooked on it. It's all he can think about is moose hunting, and he wants to do it every different way he can do it. Float trip, he wants to do a horseback, he wants to do – so he's got these huge plans. So you're going to see that guy moose hunting every single year for the next handful of years because he's totally hooked on it. But, yeah, man, we need to get together, like get a good crew of bow hunters together and put a trip um like uh get the logistics put together because uh there's a feeling from the alaska guys that moose is going to go to guide only and once it goes to guide only it's kind of like doll sheep or stone sheep it's like kind of out of touch for us blue collar guys and what we can afford or you know what we can responsibly afford anyways you know so we should try to like uh, uh put together the logistics for something like that before it goes guide only and and uh, try to go arrow our big alaskan yukon 
I I like that idea. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, we're blue collar guys, and um, I think Alaska Moose on our own would be the only real shot I've got of uh, you know I I'd love to kill a a, a bear up there, but I don't have forty thousand dollars that I can spend on it, and you know, and a moose is going to even you know they're going to be twenty thousand probably when they get to be guide only. So yeah, that's um that would be fun. Yeah, man, it's wild country too. That Alaska is so big, so um, it's pretty wild, man. It's like um, there's not much road system or infrastructure up there, and it's such giant country that a lot of the roads and four wheeler trails and places that you could just access. They, they get, um, like the locals get those spots, you know, there's locals in uh, Fairbanks and Anchorage and those guys love to hunt. And so those are a lot of the spots they hunt. And so like you, you almost have to get flown into these more remote spots to, to chase, like not that you can't kill one off those access points, but you're just dealing with more hunting pressure and less big bulls. And, um, you know, the really good hunting is like, you got to save your pennies and got to fly out and get dropped off. But Man, when that plane takes off and you're a hundred miles or two hundred miles from civilization, uh, and there's no infrastructure, there's no four wheeler trails, there's no roads, there's no nothing. Like you are in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, usually, you know, any place in the lower forty eight I can hike out of, you know, but some of those places in Alaska where you're 200 miles from civilization, there's like five different rivers that I'd have to cross and all the muskeg and tundra that I think I could walk out to survive, maybe. But if winter showed up, like it might be farther than I can walk or farther than I can go. And that's a wild experience when the plane takes off and you really are all out on your own, dude. It's like a it's a super adventure for sure but yeah it'd, it'd be fun to put together before they go guided you know and um yeah you see a bunch of grizzly bears and caribou and it, it's just wild country man it's um it's definitely made for uh adventure that's yeah that's that's hard to fathom that that you're that far from from anything like uh, literally across half of one of our states before you get another road and yeah I can't imagine 200 miles from the nearest road or civilization. Yeah, yeah, and just um, and it's just wild, like floating down those rivers. You know, it's not like there's a river map. Like there's rapids as you go down through it, and then also there's like a a bunch of those um, what do they call like the the hanging over trees? Well, basically the water washes out like uh the the ground or the dirt and then those trees they kind of collapse into the river but they're laying across the river you know to where it's a bad deal in a raft if you're going really quick and those are how a lot of people die or get into trouble there on those alaskan rivers so like when you embark on one of those things you are in for an adventure you know and so you 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 gotta uh, cross your t's and dot your i's make sure you keep yourself safe out there yeah yeah that's we got to do that. Let's let's work on that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And those uh, Alaskan Yukon are just so big, you know. So, yeah, really fun to chase, and especially, like, with your Shiras experience and my Shiras experience, I'm uh, I'm getting more hooked on these moose. Um, man, they're wild. They're, they can be few and far between. Like, their population densities are fairly low, you know, and then um, just trying to dial in on them can be difficult. But, yeah, you and your crew of guys, man, you've killed some great Shiras. Is Shiras in Wyoming a once-in-a-lifetime, or do you have a, a waiting period now, or you think you'll ever have a chance at another tag? It's it's once-in-a-lifetime now. Um, before, there was a five-year waiting period, Um and now they last year they actually made it once in a lifetime. So I was one year out of getting back into the system. So yeah, this will be my only. I could put in for a cow tag, but uh, that I I don't think we probably need to be hunting too many cow moose. So um, yeah, I'm done in Wyoming. Yep, yep, for sure. Yeah, Montana, we've got about, a seven year wait. Yeah. Yeah. How did? You, did you call or stock in on yours? Um, I stocked my bull. Um, I tried making a bunch of different calling setups throughout the season, and uh, I never did call one of those things in. I have called them in in Alaska, and, um, man, like one of my closest calls on a bull 
was a, a calling sequence I did in the evening, and I did it like in this flat where there was all this moose sign. We had floated down to it, and I made this calling sequence and um, didn't get anything to come in in the evening, and so kind of walked back to camp, and then it was just getting dark, and, man, I heard this bull just, mm, mm, mm. And I could hear it across the river. And I look across the river, and there's still enough light that I can see this giant bull across the river that's coming down river. And then this bull comes all the way across the river and walks through our camp. And he's just this giant bull that walks right by us at bow range. And we're trying to hide the fire and hide camp, but it's dark. We can't shoot him. But I had called him in at dark, you know, and then tried to look for him the next morning and couldn't find him, tried to make some calls calling sequences and I called another one in there was just thick brush and couldn't get a shot at him in there but um yeah on my shyrus moose hunt man I I never I never got one to react to my calls now maybe there just wasn't one in earshot or I didn't stay, stick around long enough but yeah I didn't have any luck trying to call him so I just went to stalking that bull I killed what about you guys shyrus hunting did you guys call any of those bulls in no we didn't um my bull, we um, made a few calls, but they necessarily to it. They there was kind of a lot of activity that morning that I shot my bull, and um, they were just moving around, and um, he didn't come to the call. Um, we tried, but he wasn't really interested. There was a couple bulls in that uh, drainage, and the big one I shot, and then a. Um, some other ones so yeah they they really didn't and um the next year with sam's bull no he's he stalked in he was a lone bull and he stalked in and and got a shot on him so no we never did we we heard him call and stuff but it um just didn't work out to actually call them in mm-hmm. yep um, and i think the fun thing about moose is like you said the the densities are are so low like they're they're not easy to find necessarily and um i don't know where you hunted yours but where we hunted um moose at is um historically great moose range and habitat but you know their numbers aren't as good as they were and um it's not it's not as easy as as a guy thinks and um so that's part of the challenge too is just just finding them and finding the right bull um that I think makes it a lot of fun too. Oh, a hundred percent. Now, are you still in on your mountain goat and, um, Rocky mountain bighorn tags? Yeah. Um, Wyoming's once or, uh, once in a lifetime on mountain goat. Well, sheep now too, but, um, it's random drawn goats. So you just put in every year and hope. And then, um, uh, with bighorn sheep, I'm, you know, I have quite a few points. I should, draw i would say in the next four to five years i should have a, a bighorn sheep tag right on man that's like uh i'm max points here in montana as well now max points doesn't guarantee you a tag you still have to get lucky but um yeah i've never had the chance to hunt rocky mountain to hunt desert and uh, apply all over the u.s like i've always wanted the opportunity um so one of these years they're gonna call my lucky name and i've actually got uh, a goat hunt this year like um uh, so I'm pretty pumped for that. Yeah, that's going to be the start of my season will be a goat hunt. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. But, yeah, it's – um, that? say that again? Where's that goat hunt at? So it's in B.C. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's – um, I just have this incredible opportunity where I know this guide up there, and he works with an outfitter. And so, you know, I was able to work it out with the outfitter and be able to um, uh, work out a deal to get a tag and purchase a hunt. And then I get to really go hunt with my buddy up there. I've actually never been on a guided hunt. And this one, you know, it is guided, you know, because you have to be guided for goats up there. But I get to go hunt with my buddy up there in this um, super extreme range in B.C in august you know with all these rock tops i mean he keeps sending me pictures of the range and pictures of the goats and i'm so pumped and sometimes you, you like you never say never like you were saying grizzly bears you'd like to hunt them but they're forty thousand bucks it's like you know sometimes you just like 
get a good opportunity or meet the right guy or have the right buddy and, um, you know, able to work out a deal and, you know, something that I could do. And it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm 43 years old and I hear I got a chance to go hunt goats. Like I better just take this opportunity and go for it. So I'm super pumped for it. Yeah, that's awesome. Especially to go with a friend too. That'll be cool. Yeah, yeah, and he's going to have a goat tag as well, so we can kill a couple of them up in there. So, yeah, it's going to be an absolute ride. It's a backpack hunt, um, super extreme range, uh, early season, which, you know, a lot of times guys want to let those those goats get haired up. But it's more important to me to chase them with a bow and arrow. And then I, lo- I love that extreme country, like I'd hunt high country muleys in. And so to be able to hunt them up there when, you know, I don't have a bunch of snow is advantageous just for me so i'm super stoked at the dates and the opportunity and um yeah man it's gonna be incredible yeah it sounds awesome yeah the sometimes there's certain animals that you know they they do things over the you know if they get haired up they might look cooler um but that's not always the most important thing um a, a mountain goat is a mountain goat to me i would I wouldn't care if they were, it was a November when he had seven inch long hairs or not. I think that's, that's awesome. Yep. Absolutely. Well, um, Zach, this has been, um, everything I wanted it to be, man. It was like, uh, finally got to connect with you and have an in-depth conversation. And I'm always so surprised how, you know, we grew up in, um, you know, we both grew up in the West and we both like spot and stock hunting, but just the similarities, man. I feel like, uh, uh, your brother that was lost at birth or something, just the way we do things is, is so similar and just our, our ideas and, um, theories on hunting the West. It's like, um, man, I'm just really glad. Uh, I got a chance to connect with you and just can't thank you enough for like taking the time and being on the podcast this morning and sharing all like your, your hard earned knowledge that you've had over the years. But, uh, man, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Me too, Brian. Thank you very much. Like I said, I've listened to you for since you started and read you, your articles before that. And it's, uh, you know, Sam's always said, he's like that you and you and Brian would, are are kind of the same person. So um yeah it's been a pleasure yeah yeah we're twins for sure so uh well you've got my number now make sure to send me your number when you get a chance let's keep in touch and um man i'm gonna hit you up again to be on the podcast so maybe we can catch up after season or something like that but again just really appreciate your time man absolutely thank you brian all right all right guys that's a wrap uh, again, thanks to Zach for coming on the podcast. Um, thanks to Everly Stock, Juniper Mountain, Outdoor Edge. Uh, thanks to Black Ovis and Camo Fire. And thanks to Eastman's for all their support on the podcast and all the ventures that I do. So uh, thanks to those guys. Uh, again, that um, – oh, there's a promo code for uh, for Black Ovis. Put in the promo code ELEVATED10. You'll save 10% on your order. Uh, promo code for the Mule Deer course is Brian MDC. That'll save you 10% and get you that uh, kill kit as well. So, um, yeah, just coming back from um, BC here. Uh, lost my bags coming back, so it took me a couple days to get my bags here. I think, yeah, I got back um, just a day or two ago, and now I'm um, back. I've got to get this podcast out and um, get my gear together and then headed for a high country mule deer hunt here. So trying to get out of here this morning, make sure you guys got a couple podcasts to listen to and um, see if I can't go get on some bucks. So super psyched. Um, no rest for the weary. Let's get our gear together and um, get to the mountains like this time only comes once a year and definitely want to make sure I don't miss out on high country muleys. So um, yeah, I'm going to release this thing, get in the truck and um, head down and go have a hunt. So we'll just continue to bring you guys good podcasts. I'll make sure I get those things out. And, um, man, such a great adventure up in BC is just like such an amazing opportunity. I'm so hooked. You know, I, I've always loved mountain hunting and, and, um, the deer and elk, like mule deer and elk are the, some of the funnest things I do, but man, it was wild up there, uh, for mountain goat and, um, just super extreme terrain and, uh, covering a bunch of miles and getting chances like these stocks were amazing and, um, 
yeah, it was just super fun. I was with my um, buddy Adam up there. Man, we just had a blast. And we recorded a podcast, too. So I think I'll get that one out to you guys next week where we kind of recap the hunt and just kind of talk about some of the BC bow hunting. But it was a, a great conversation, great podcast, and just, um, man, what a great hunt. It was, like, so fun. So that time of year, I got back, poured some concrete, and uh, get ready to set some trusses, and now I'm um, back on the road here. So yeah, just trying to get everything taken care of and um, handled and get back to the mountains. So that's where I'll be. So thanks, you guys, for the support of the podcast. I really appreciate it. And uh, with that, I'll check in with you next week.